on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. To me, every business that I've ever built has been in Excel, and very few people really understand why, but I like to say every business has to be built in Excel because at the end of the day, if the projections don't make sense, who cares what the brand is and who cares what color the wall is? And a lot of people go off of feelings and not logical equations. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, what's up guys? Gathering the Kings podcast, Chaz Wolf coming at you. I've got a guest here today, Ben Crosby. He's gonna unload everything from building multiple franchise systems all the way back to the very beginnings of his journey with uh, with his dad inside of a, a dry cleaner. This story is incredible. And he goes into some really good stuff about having it all and losing it all. And so get your pen and paper and it's about to go down. All right, what's up, Ben Crosby? Welcome to the King stage, my brother. Thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. The listener didn't understand uh, why we're laughing here, but we just did a we just did a retake on the intro here because because I couldn't get some words out. But hey, that's yeah. all right. That's the joy of podcasting. But thanks for coming here today, Ben. Uh, you are no stranger is what I was trying to say before to just the world of business. You've got a lot of businesses. You've been involved in a lot of different types and, and concepts. And so I'm super yeah. excited to get into your story here today. But before we do that, tell us what you're doing right now. Give us an idea of what it looks like inside of your business world right now. Sure. So I'm the owner and founder of Zor 411. We're a franchise development company that takes a vested approach in businesses. So I invest in companies that are early on emerging, zero, one location, have a really good idea, good concept, or some proof of concept, franchise and operationalize them. Currently, I'm working on the Brake Squad, which is mobile brake repair. We come to your house, the franchisee goes to the customer's house fixes their brakes, helps, works on their car. The other one that, that we're experiencing really aggressive growth on is the drip bar. So the drip bar is IV supplementation. We call it fuel your cells, fuel your life, cellular health. So it's IV supplementation. We do it at a retail-based business, 1,000 to 1,500 square feet. Yeah. And we're opening up a lot of them throughout the U.S. right now. So it's an exciting time. It absolutely is an exciting time. And obviously, uh, the listener, if they've been listening to any of my shows, they probably know that I've got multiple locations of a franchise. And so you're speaking right up my alley. I'm, I'm your guy that has uh, yeah. invested into a, a franchise. And it's just incredible to me that you've not only become a franchisor, but you have developed a system to basically <laughs> help franchise systems. And, and it's not just one concept. You've developed your business to help yep. conceptualize multiple um, systems. And so yeah. I just love that, that you've taken that angle of the business and the vested approach. And real quick, give us an idea, because I know you're opening one here in Kansas City, the drip bar, you said, but give us a, an idea of where your locations are and maybe a little bit about what they can expect when they come into the drip bar. 
Sure. So they're they're opening up all over. Right now we have 15 locations. Lee's Summit uh, in Missouri is going to be opening in a little less than 10 days right now on the 26th. We get a nice friends and family event going on. So really excited about that one. It's going to be the first of many in Missouri. Nice. But we started out in Warwick, Rhode Island. Okay. We have another one in Newport, Rhode Island, more of a seasonal vacation area, a uh, really beautiful location. But we have locations throughout the West East Coast, Florida, Virginia, yeah. North Carolina, South Carolina, New Jersey, New York. We have locations opening. We have quite a few in Texas. Okay. Um, soon to be St. Louis, shortly after Lee's Summit. We have quite a few in Utah, uh, okay. Las Vegas, and Denver, and uh, Colorado. We have quite a few open. So yeah. it's a great time right now. As I said, there's 15 open. We're on, uh, we're projecting, we have, so not projecting, we have 50 plus more opening this year. So really we're opening up one a week for the uh, foreseeable yeah. future. Yeah. Yeah. Such a, such an incredible growth. What at this level, we're going to get into some of the, like before you came, became a King and at this level in business, if you will, but right now in the business, we got all this going on and you're crushing it with all this growth. What keeps you motivated at this time? What drives you now at this stage in the game? Continual growth. It's a lot of fun watching franchisees that are also entrepreneurs really finally breaking out of the corporate life, the nine to five and opening up their own business. So sure. that never gets old. If it's zero locations or 200, 300, 5,000 locations, but I really appreciate being more in the emerging side because I'm able to really help younger entrepreneurs right now with drip bar, we're getting into that flex area where we do have quite a few franchisees that own other brands. Sure. Yeah. And they recognize what Drip Bar is doing and how it's positioned in the industry. So they're using it as a tool to diversify out of just being in QSR restaurants, sure. just being in the, the haircut franchises and all of these other franchises that are out there. Yeah. The Drip Bar is a very nice complement to those uh, individuals. But I really love working with people where it's their first business. They're a veteran, they're a first responder, they're a nurse, and really working with them to get that passion and energy built into the business. Because a lot of times, once you become too big, that opportunity a lot of times disappears. You're not going to get a first-time business owner opening up a McDonald's, right. but you will get a first-time business owner opening up a drip bar or a break squad or one of the other businesses that are coming down. Yeah, no, I love how you've identified that because you're right, even obviously within the edible arrangement system, which I own several locations of still, but there's a lot of folks that came from a corporate world or maybe they have one or two concepts, but they're all like they're local business owners. They want to be a, a local face. They want to be in the restaurant or the local community. And mm -hmm. so I, I love that approach and you've got it clearly identified. So if the listener is listening right now and they're looking for a concept, what you're saying is that the drip bar might be a hot one for you. <laughs> it's a hot one for a lot of people. So That's awesome. you know, there's still plenty of turf available. That's awesome. Very good. Okay. Let's jump into kind of where entrepreneurship started for you. Obviously you've been involved in lots of businesses over the course of time, but tell us yeah. how you started in business. That, that is, uh, I don't know. The, the real answer is I'm not really sure. I remember when I was like 
eight or nine years old and I was helping my father install a, a tabletop at okay. his first business that he was opening. So that was really fun. Seeing it early and what kind on, of business was it? It was just a dry cleaner, the okay. local dry cleaner. It wasn't yeah. a franchise or anything back then. I didn't even know there weren't as many franchises. That's when the McDonald's was starting in the world. So that was my first viewpoint in it, but I never actually thought it as entrepreneurship. It was just right. opening up a local business. I went to college as an athletic trainer and a sports nutritionist. Okay. Played sports my entire life and thought I was going to tape pro athletes ankles. That was sure. my goal. And then reality comes in and you're starting to get a little older in college. You're like, Hey, Maybe one day I'd like to have a family and take a vacation that I could afford. And uh, taping ankles wasn't going to get it for you? It, it, it probably wasn't. It probably wasn't. It was going to be a slow voyage. After college, coming from New Hampshire, I went to UNH. I became a personal trainer. Okay. And I was a personal trainer at the Sports Club LA in Boston when it first opened. Super, super high-end location. Beautiful site. And I was the top trainer there for two or so years right out of college gave me the ability to financially and through investors open up my own line of health clubs had no business experience had lots of friends that went to business school and said that i always learned more by doing than anything that they would have ever gained by going to business school and getting their mba and all of that so yeah i opened up my own line of health clubs uh, got open three locations, exited that for various reasons. Sure. Got into real estate for a little bit, real estate consulting that gave me the ability and the travel and the network. I met some influential people, which back in 2014, I was able to secure the global rights to this brand called Tapout. Okay. Uh, a lot of people know the Tapout brand Yeah. Uh, because of its affiliation with the UFC very early on. Speed up a little bit. In 2016, I secured the global rights to the Tapel brand and then was hit with the notion of, hey, I need to really grow and scale this and I can't do it organically one by one. So I decided to learn franchise. I brought in one partner who had experience in franchising. We franchised a concept. We brought it to market. I sold over 500 locations in 11 international countries after three years wow. in three years. And then uh, part of that journey, I brought in an operational team okay. and then we just we're going and I, we hit an inflection point and I had the ability to exit. So I exited in January of 2019. And then that gave me the ability to create the franchise development company, SOAR 411. Yeah. Now I can just continue to do what I love doing. What you do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I love that. So obviously a lot of different industry experience. I'm sure most listeners recognize the Tap Out brand, as you mentioned. And so that's very cool that you've had your hand in, in some of that very well-known stuff. And so help us understand because you, you it the scaling of all of those things happened, I'm sure, pretty quickly. And so if you can remember back to maybe when you had just those one or two or three clubs and, and maybe you weren't quite at that seven figure mark yet, maybe it was just the one club and you hadn't gotten there yet. When you're thinking about your decisions at that time, did you have a process or do you have a process now of how you make decisions <laughs> that would be helpful for the listener? The listener is a six figure guy. They're trying to get to that iconic yeah. seven figure, uh, $1 million business. How yeah. do you make decisions? It's a lot of, for me, it's a lot of self-assessment. 
you know, you, you need to recognize where your weaknesses are and then have the confidence to hire those that complement those weaknesses to make the total team stronger. Yep. So that's what I did early on, just yep. naturally. That's what I've grown to do now by building out the teams. How do you think that came to you naturally? Like, uh, was it just like a recognition of, man, I suck in these areas, so I got to find somebody? Or yeah. <laughs> how did that come to you, do you think? So, yeah, it, it's just a recognition. I, I think I know my strengths. I, I'm being ahead. I like selling. I like educating. I like developing, investing, all that. I personally hate sitting at a desk and running operations. So I'm not an operator. I know how operations do it, but I cannot do that day in and day out. Also, I'm a very personally an analytical person. To me, every business that I've ever built has been in Excel and very few people really understand why, but I like to say every business has to be built in Excel because at the end of the day, if the projections don't make sense, who cares what the brand is and who cares what color the wall is? And a lot of people go off of feelings and not logical equations. So sure. really, and when you're re financially planning something, you can see where the pitfalls are. If you really dig into the details and really understand the business, Yeah, you can see what gaps you need to fill with the appropriate weakness that you're showing with the right staff member in order to improve that, that part of the chain. Yeah, a hundred percent. I love how you said, basically keeping it logical. I, I, I too found myself using Excel for things just to make it make sense. And even when I bought my first franchise, edible arrangements, I don't even like fruit. Right. <laughs> so I had nothing to do with the fruit or the product. Of course, our product is amazing, but the same thing for, for real estate or, or even my mastermind programs. It's, this is something that has to make sense. Like it's gotta be a business yeah. and it's gotta make sense on paper. Otherwise, like, why are we here? And, and of course there's purpose and like why you're like, your maybe your design and that you like doing these certain things, but I think that's a huge takeaway. So if you're listening right now and you're taking notes, like maybe you don't need to go learn equations per se, but I think what you're hearing Ben say is that you have to be able to make sense of the business. It can't just be this feeling of I'm just going to go for it. Now that there's persistence in that there's emotional like connection to the vision, but if you can't make it make sense, then it's a hobby, not a business. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The numbers don't lie. Then uh, another thing is, Make a decision and move. When, yeah. you, when you get stuck in uh, this perpetual questioning yourself, you just get stuck in the mud. You know, what do they call it? Analysis paralysis. That's right. The numbers are the numbers. If the equation is done correctly, it'll tell you what to do. Yeah, no, that's huge because uh, <laughs> there's guys listening right now who are more analytical like you and I, and they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I use Excel. I'm, I'm good. But right. they're the, also the ones that right now you just called out and said, hey, bro, you've been stuck in the numbers for too long. You got to move. That's <laughs> what happens. We, we bury our head and then we forget to make the decision. And so I think that those are two key things. You got to make the numbers work and then yeah. you can't dwell. You got to take action right away. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. Okay. Don't, don't be afraid of making a mistake. That's right. Well, that's a, that's an interesting transition here, Ben, because I want to go to your mistakes. I want to go to your bad decisions, if you will. And so uh, tell me about a bad decision that you made along the way. That was just like so bad that you obviously are thankful that you'll never have to do it again, but something that the listener shouldn't do. Like what, what did you make the mistake on that we can learn from? I'm not sure. I know I've made quite a few along the way, maybe bringing on too many partners too quickly in certain businesses. Sure. Being too worried about raising the proper amount of money before actually executing, because mm. 
sometimes that delays performance. Those are things that I've experienced. They were learning opportunities. Yeah. And then little mistakes here and there. As quickly as you make a mistake, you're just you're triaging to, to fix it or just to make it disappear, put it under the rug and move forward on the next one. But yeah, not plenty of mistakes. None really stand out of that significant because it's just part of life. Right. Now, I love the the mindset really there is that nothing is so bad that it's obviously destroyed you. Tell us what you learned, though, from, like you said, maybe bringing on too many partners or um, being analysis paralysis, kind of like you said, and getting stuck in the numbers. Give us some maybe lessons that you've learned there. Yeah, just bringing on too many partners. There's too many voices in the room Mm. uh, a lot of times, right? When you're an entrepreneur and really building, you need to be able to have the autonomy to be able to make the decisions and grow. If you wanna make a decision and then you have to go out and ask 20, 30 people, you obviously get into the analysis paralysis because you're always gonna have those one, two, three, five, 10 partners that say, oh, give me a day a week and let me think of this and let me think of that. Being an entrepreneur, you need to have that autonomy. You need to be able to make decisions on your own, make mistakes and just keep growing the business one way or another, but also being humble enough to listen to your team and my world, family, franchisees, and the operational team as well. You got to always listen to. Yeah, I'm hundred percent. Yeah. There's always sounding board. What I'm hearing you say, there's always a sounding board that you got to pay attention to, but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, the autonomy, the the weight should rest on your shoulders as the entrepreneur. And although that may feel lonely sometimes, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs experience that's really how it has to be, at least for a period of time, so that you can develop that. Okay, yes or no, and then you just and you and you go with it one way or the other. Yeah. So because you're either going to su- succeed or fail, and in either way, you've got learning opportunities, and it's got to be because of you. Otherwise, like you said, it's going to just get stuck in a conversation or a boardroom analysis. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. And exactly. so. We, the bad decisions there, obviously, I loved how you covered it up in essence with the, like, it's part of life and this is just how we're going. What would you say to a six figure owner right now? Who's listening and just, man, I just can't seem to quite get to that place where I I can get the growth that I need or that I'm there. Like what kind of decisions should this person be making? Maybe it's a franchisee. That's how I'm thinking of it in your world. It's like that single unit. Maybe it's a two unit person. They're doing three, four, five, six, 700,000. And they're just like, man, how do I get to that? seven, eight figure mark. Your goals have to be based in reality. And then once you take a step back and look at it, you can figure out that path. So the single unit owner that owns a single franchise wants to make a million dollars a year. If they're in a system that projects out only to two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, they need to scale. They're never going to make that business a million dollar business. So looking at that and saying, look, to start, you need three units. If your goal in your trajectory is three units, you need to be clustered in XYZ market and you need to scale the business. So really, again, going back to rational behavior, look at the financials, look at the number, put that aside next to what your goals are and go on it. If you're developing a business and this is Early on with me, the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is facing reality. I opened up a health club, right? I thought, hey, I'm going to make a million dollars a year. Once you're in it, you're like, 
I'm not making a million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so you got to set your expectations. Expectations based in reality will let you sleep at night. Uh, yeah. But if you're looking to be a seven-figure earner, as you say, you need to make sure that you're in the business, that you could get there, and that you have the trajectory and the plan in order to meet that goal. Yeah, 100%. I love that. That's super solid advice. For the listener who's paying attention, Like, I, I want you to just take a second and write that down because it seems so simple that it just probably glazed over. But you've got to line up your target with what actually can be accomplished. And so many entrepreneurs start a business out of necessity as opposed to a plan. And that's okay. There's a role in that. But then once you get into that business that you maybe quote unquote started out of necessity because you lost your job or didn't want to work in corporate America anymore or just got tired of it, whatever... But here you are now, and what Ben's saying is, okay, so write down what it is that you really want. Are you trying to go to seven figures? Are you trying to have three or four or five locations? What does that look like in this system or business that you're in? If you, Maybe you're a contractor. There is no system, and, and you just need to figure out what that looks like for your market and your service. It's the same exact philosophy he's talking about. You got to figure out what it is that you want, and then is that possible inside of your market? And then obviously the plan then to go get it would then come third. So. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay. Let's transition to the speed round, my man. I like short kind of punchy answers here. I want to put you on the spot a little bit. My first question here is, I love this question, especially with you being an, uh, an analytical guy. I, I'm excited to hear your answer. So the we'll question is this, if, if you only had one metric that you could track forever and ever, they all fall away except for this one, what would it be? ROI. Okay. Give me just a little bit more. That, a lot of people are wondering, I know return on investment, but what does that mean to you? What you put in it, what comes out, really. The amount of uh, investment that's made on a business, what is the potential outcome? What is the growth? ROI can be, to me, can be measured in a couple different facets. Yep. One is financial. How much money does it kick out? But also two, what is the benefit that I gain? from it, like investing in building a business, helping others and, and, and such growing. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Very good. Okay. I love that. Thinking back to when you were a six figure owner or thinking about somebody who's in that position right now, what book would you recommend for them to be able to go to the next level? It's a difficult one because they don't read books. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's unique in itself. So just give us a little bit on that then. Like what, where are you getting your information? Oh, internet. I mean, I, I learned by going out and talking to people. Most of the books that are written aren't written by the people that actually write them. They're all ghost written. If you want to be an entrepreneur, sure. if you want to read that type of stuff. I, I'd rather be out talking, networking, meeting people, meeting franchisees, finding new business opportunities and rationalizing it and growing it. But yeah, I'm not the type to take any of my time to, to read a book to learn what somebody else did. Yeah. Uh, I learned from them different ways. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that perspective of just being able to be rubbing shoulders with somebody. And a lot of people who at the six figure mark, maybe they don't have the ability to rub shoulders with a bunch of successful people. So maybe a book is their way to do that. And that's fine. And okay, that's great. So that kind of leads me to my next question that you've already answered it a little bit of, do you intentionally network? Do you, do you go to masterminds? Do you put yeah. yourself in rooms with other successful people? Yeah, all the time. As an entrepreneur, if you can't communicate with people one-on-one, -on -one, and yeah. you're stuck and hidden in a book, good luck. Yeah, like I, I just don't know those businesses. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure. sure there's very successful people. It just doesn't fit my persona, right? Yeah. My persona is just being out in front, talking to people. I do masterminds. I do 
conferences, conventions. I'm actually hosting a pretty big conference for the Drip Bar. We're doing an annual conference at the end of March at the Cosmopolitan in Vegas, and we invited all of our franchisees and vendors. And that's really where I, they're not really network, but learn, because yeah. we're going to be talking to all the franchisees, really understanding where their pain points are. We have a lot of educational aspects of it, a lot of good meet and greet, a lot of good parties, so a lot of fun stuff. But uh, yeah. that's where that's where I learn and thrive. I just learn by doing. I don't know. Maybe I, I can't concentrate very well, but uh, <laughs> yeah, books aren't my thing. That's that's okay. And I don't. I haven't even written a book, so I, no no promo on my end. Although I yeah, have read. I've been book. asked to write books, but I wouldn't write anything. I'd just write something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's good, man. I appreciate the, just the honesty there, especially with you having systems, like you're leading other owners. And so how you're leading them, what I'm hearing you say is by getting around other owners, by spending their time connecting and, and learning, asking good questions. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you, that's how you, that's how you network and grow. You can't, uh, can't be a hermit. You've got to be able to get out, whether it's locally in your chambers or a mastermind yeah. group or a, a franchise convention, all of those things that uh, those are things that I've done as well. And you've got to get yeah, stuff out yeah. there. And to speak on books. I, so my son, who's 12, I actually, I, so I don't know, I saw it on Instagram or something, but I do pay my son to read books on entrepreneurship and all of that stuff. So getting him involved uh, sure. is a lot of fun. So That's, he reads the books for me and gives me the stuff. <laughs> and then he gives you the book report, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. It's like a, it's like a, a unique, uh, the short notes, cliff notes. There you go. You right, get to pay your son notes. to give you cliff yeah. notes. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like me back in high school. <laughs> yeah. If that's not entrepreneurship, I don't know what is. Literally, I we called it being resourceful back in the right, day. Absolutely. Very good. Okay, last speed round question here for you, Ben. It's my favorite question. Okay. And if you lost it all today, the franchise, drip bar, all of everything that you've ever touched goes away. Sure. What do you do tomorrow? I start over. Just entrepreneurship. You can start any business anywhere at any time. If you're resourceful and can figure it out. And I could get into it a little bit, but 11 years ago, I did lose everything. Went bankrupt, lost my house. I had a one-year-old, married, still married, same lady. And I lost legitimately everything to the last $100 bill. Wow. And I was faced with that inflection point where I looked at it and I was like, what do we do? Pay for, buy groceries, buy my son a Lego. I took it, put it in a book because that's what they were useful, used for. And I said, when I start making my comeback, I'm going to put it in a frame and I'm going to stare at it every day. And the $100 bill is right up uh, on one of my shelves right now. So, yeah. And then I, I hit the seven figure once, lost it all. Yeah back there and onward and upward. So yeah. learn from the mistakes, learn if you, if you lose everything, it is what it is. You're not there everywhere and forever, unless you allow it to be. I love that. Yeah. You've already dropped so many things in the last 30 seconds. First off, I was going to point out to the listener because I can see you and, and you gave that chuckle of like, yeah, like I would just yeah. do it again. Like <clears throat> you don't even know. Thank you for sharing because now we understand the chuckle because you did it. It's not theoretical. You did it. And, and so congratulations. You hear a lot of uh, stories like that, but, but to, to have somebody lose it all and, and uh, be able to commit to their wife and child and future like you have is incredible. And I think attesting 
moment, not only for you, but for the listener as well. And then I think at the end there, just you just being able to say your circumstances are only the way that they are because you've allowed them to be. And so you just didn't allow it. It sounds like. Absolutely. Maybe I'm stubborn. No, I am stubborn. So, <laughs> but you, if you're not, you can't be an entrepreneur. Knowing your limits is very important. It's not like gambling. It is real life. It's not doubling down on a 16. That doesn't make sense. But yeah, just, just going into it, you're very logically understanding what opportunities are in front of you and uh, executing. Yep. That makes sense. Ben, you've given us so much. Just, I, I can only imagine the listener right now, their page is full of notes, but if they wanted to connect with you, obviously there's probably different reasons why they would want to connect with you, whether just for just a connection or they're interested in maybe becoming part of the system at drip bar, or maybe the mobile break uh, deal or anything else that you're going to do in the future. How would they connect with you? I have a website, Ben Crosby. C-R-O-S-B-I-E 360.com. Also, my email is bencrosby5 at gmail. And people can reach out at any time. Perfect. Easily find me on Zor411, Break Squad, or thedripbar.com. Yeah, and you've got some some really stuff up on LinkedIn as well. And I think that's how we got connected originally as well. So you can find them on yeah. social. But I'd yeah. highly recommend you connect with Ben. Obviously, he's helping entrepreneurs all over the world grow their network by expanding into the franchise world. Ben, thank you so much for being here today and all the value that you brought, man. I pre really appreciate yeah. it. Perfect. Thank you, Chaz. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.